the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is a delight to have with us Congressman John Shattuck. John Shattuck is uh, the former congressman from uh, the old uh, District 4 of Arizona, which includes this area from where we broadcast, where I currently live, uh, where I grew up in, actually. And he is now the head of Shattuck and Associates. Or is it Shattuck Associates? Is there an and in there? There's no and. No conjunction. Just Shattuck Associates. But... It's Just great reach see. out any way you can. We'll be happy to help. If you look up Shattuck and Associates, you'll still get there. Right. <laughs> do you have uh, – I have a recalcitrant producer here, John. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have – did you have this with, with your staff? Do you have this with your staff? We're trying to compile Christmas music to start on uh, December 1st. Okay. This is the tradition of this show. We, we will do Christmas music – a plenty, but we don't start it till December first. I think that's good. Yeah, I, I mean, with that. we're doing. Th- I mean, we're not hearing Christmas music for Thanksgiving. That's you don't not want to hear it. No, no, that's not us. Every nope. holiday gets its due. But he's throwing stuff at me, and we have been at daggers drawn over this thing. Uh oh, what your stuff favorite? is he throwing? At you? He's throwing the kind of thing that you can hear anywhere else you go, whether you go to Fry's or whether you go to Costco or whether you go to an outdoor mall at the Biltmore, an indoor mall at Scottsdale Fashion. He's just throwing me the standard, normal stuff, and I'm we're, we're trying to be a little different around here. I think you should give him the challenge. I think he should rise to the challenge. That's I commend you for pushing him. I think that's yes. a good point. Yes. I had one rule yeah. when I was in Congress yeah. for my staff. Yeah. <laughs> And that one rule, I explained to each of them. This it took me a while to figure this out, uh, but uh, so I don't know that I did it the day I started in office. But yeah. I ultimately applied it to everybody before I would hire them, and that was if they were given an assignment, yeah. they had every right in the world to come back to me before it was to do it was due, yeah. and to say to me, "I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's illegal. Mm-hmm. It's." immoral Mm -hmm. it's stupid Mm -hmm. it's wrong Mm -hmm. uh, it's a dumb idea it will embarrass you whatever it was you could say anything including it's illegal yeah before it was due yeah but if they failed to get the assignment done and they came to me when it was due or after it was right you're looking for the work product and i and said it's illegal, it's immoral, yeah. it's yeah. wrong, yeah. it's dumb, or I just don't want to do it. Yeah. That was not acceptable. So okay. So you've laid down the gauntlet. We've laid it down. Find me some new and different songs. I actually have one. Yeah, what's, yeah go ahead. We'll I, take suggestions from you. I, I, unfortunately, it's written down at home, so okay. I don't think I can. We'll see if I can recall okay. it. Yeah. But I can give him some suggestions. Or email or text some, me yep, later. Yep. I gave him a lot of suggestions, I'll by bet. the way. I yep. gave him a lot of good suggestions. I want people to tune in and not get the same ho-ho-ho-hum. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I want people to know that Seth Leibson is a monster who hates Ming Crosby, Johnny Mathis, and Andy Williams. Yes, that's right. <laughs> We're not playing that. Well, 
you could negotiate with him, David, and you could say, occasionally, once a week, we can do those three. But for the rest of the time, we're going to do different stuff. Andy Williams. (laughs) I happen to, for example, love Garth Brooks. There you go. So that's different. But hearing the same stuff over and over and the same stuff you can hear on every other channel – my wife goes nuts. She says, turn it off. Right. Am I listening to the Seth Leapson show or am I shopping at the Biltmore? There you go. <laughs> we want a distinction. Yep. Thank you, John. Do you have a good trust? Do you have a, a special Christmas tradition, by the way? Oh, we have all kinds of special Christmas traditions. Yep. Uh, we, we spend almost the entire day opening presents because we, we distribute the presents to everyone who is getting them. So yep. they have a stack in front of them. Yeah. And then we go around from youngest to oldest and open one while everybody else watches. Uh-huh. So you can see the excitement or joy or, for that matter, maybe the disappointment. <laughs> A little coal in the stocking on occasion. <laughs> uh, on their face when they open it. And you can drag that out for a long yeah. time. Now, my kids aren't young. Yeah. So if you have young kids, they're not going to sit around and right. wait for that. Right. Uh, but it's it, it's a lot of fun, and during the middle of that, we work in breakfast, uh, Christmas breakfast, and uh, is there a special bill of fare, a special meal that you well, guys? Well, my cook? wife makes. Yeah, I face a lifelong weight problem in part, <laughs> at least for the latter half of my life, because my wife is a great cook. She yeah. makes sticky buns that uh-huh. are just awesome, and oh, so good. Uh, between coffee and sticky buns. Uh, There's not a lot of sleep, it sounds other like. Other things <laughs> to drink. Yep. It can be a, a pretty good day. And then and, and my son and I have a tradition of giving each other thing, modest-priced um, toys that you can play with. Okay. So a little car that you take out on the, you know, you know he's way too old for a little electric-powered car, but it's a kick to do it. Or... Uh, we haven't gone too far into this, but uh, drones uh-huh. are a lot of fun. And yeah. so that he and I in the afternoon can not only throw the football back and forth, yeah. which neither of us touched for the entire remainder of the that year <laughs> and to the following year, but we can throw the football back and forth and we can also play with drones or, or electric cars, remote control cars. Fantastic. Yep. It sounds like a lot of fun at the Shattuck House. It is. Um, so – this time of year, as we're approaching November, uh, December and the end of the year, it seems like the last several years, really starting with 2020, the year of COVID, the year of the riots, there's been this general pall of people saying, I'm so glad the year is over. What a year. Ugh, I can't wait for the next year. And then 2021 came around, and it wasn't much better. And then 2022 came around, and it wasn't much better. And they kept saying it every December. I don't know if you picked up on this. I I just picked up on it in my circles and from the callers and listeners. Can't wait for this year to be over. Same this year. And um, a lot of it is political, but a lot of it is kind of cultural. We've been in a funk ever since COVID did something. Adam Carolla said the other day, he said, uh, COVID took out— a lot of people, most of them, still alive, and 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 I <laughs> yes, right, and, and right. Something changed here. It seems like I am, maybe I'm wrong, and you're perceiving things differently. No, I, I don't think so at all. I think the last several years have been like that, and I think we're we all kind of struggle with well, what is it? Yeah. Uh, to me, as I've said here before, uh, I think the cultural problems facing the country are the most damaging. Uh, The lack 
of belief in ultimate right and wrong, Mm -hmm. ultimate good and bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think in part, uh, ultimate individual responsibility. I've pretty much found in life that people are happy or unhappy in direct correlation to the degree that they feel like they're doing something good, Mm -hmm. accomplishing something, Mm -hmm. uh, making a difference. John McCain used to say, uh, what was his famous saying? Uh, A cause greater than your own self-interest. Yeah, give yourself to a cause greater than yourself. And and I think that that concept uh, was carried forward from John McCain. It was one of the things, um, from from Ronald Reagan, but it was one of the things I liked the most about John McCain. He wasn't as conservative as I wanted by any stretch, but but he would at least make that appeal. It wasn't if it was about John McCain, it wasn't in those words. It wasn't do something for me. Mm-hmm. It was make you know, do something greater than increasing the amount of money in your checkbook mm-hmm. or your savings account or uh getting paid more uh, attention uh, or or more uh, compliments by uh, or being seen as greater by the people you're around. Yeah, be selfless, uh, not be selfish. Be selfless, not selfish. And I think we have drifted towards a very selfish nation. Yeah. And I've said this also before, and that is uh, I think the media and the left uh, have driven us uh, to... Think constantly about what's bad in our lives and what divides us. The the politics of it's almost the politics of envy. Mm -hmm. So uh, if we're Hispanic, we need to envy somebody else. If we're black, we need to end somebody else, Mm -hmm. envy somebody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I think that's been bad for the country. I I would add that I think the economy matters. I mean, um, when everybody is struggling financially. Not just those uh, that are doing okay, but everybody is struggling, and the people at the bottom maybe are struggling worse. Uh, that drags you down. That you know that makes it harder uh, to be optimistic and positive. And certainly, that's been the case uh, under Mr. Biden. Let me, let me pause you on that and take a commercial break. I want to pick up on that because we are getting into heavy political season, and I want to get your take on how you would frame this election coming up next year. John Shattig and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Congressman John Shattig, my guest. He is the uh, founder and head of Shattig Associates Consulting, a uh, former congressman here representing Arizona's old 4th Congressional District for um, for 16 years. We're getting into a very high political season, uh, John, and next year is going to probably probably be dominated by political talk. It'll start early with on the Republican side, Iowa and New Hampshire. It's actually, before I get there, just to keep it chronologically straight in our heads, Ron DeSantis is going to be debating Gavin Newsom tomorrow night on Fox News. Fascinating. Fascinating. And I was talking to someone we both uh, know in common um, about how DeSantis just hasn't broken through in a way that a lot of people, and we've seen this, yep. we've seen people we thought were going to be the thing and they ended up not Rudy Giuliani in 2008, for example, or Fred Thompson, I think maybe even that same year. We've seen examples of this. Bill over Graham. Time. Yeah. 
right? Um, and Ron seems not to. And I said to this friend, I said, well, this might be his last shot. And my friend said, I think it's gone. I think what this does is it really gives bragging rights for people to look at Newsom and the Democratic side to replace Biden. Uh, this is more for Newsom than for DeSantis, in other words. But I wonder what you think this is all about. Well, it's a puzzle. And I guess as a, I think it's fair to say, lifelong political strategist, yeah. um, I think it's probably a huge mistake. Uh, but um, I think there's a chance that it could do the opposite. Remote chance, but it's there. Uh, this morning's Wall Street Journal, for anybody who cares, can find an article on this debate. Uh, and it's, I guess it's not an article. It's not bad mm -hmm. on this debate. And it goes through uh, a, a long recitation of how conditions are uh, in California versus Florida. Right. Talking about unemployment, gross domestic product. Mm -hmm. Uh, people moving in, people moving out, income going up, income going down, crime, homelessness, right, yes, yeah. crime, you right, name it, yeah. everything up and down the list. And on, I think, every single category they picked, uh, Florida is beating, pardon my expression, the socks off of California. Yeah. And, and uh, it seems to me that uh, if you want to hope for DeSantis and you want uh, and you care about reality, DeSantis ought to be able to take those numbers and uh, make California look awful and make its governor look awful. Uh, I actually found myself feeling envious of the states that border Florida. Right. So if People live in a bordering state and they want to go to Florida for fun or for vacation or to get to the ocean. You know, they can go there and the price of gas will be dramatically yeah. lower than California. Right. And the number of homeless people in the streets will be dramatically lower than California. Uh, San Diego has recently, recently had an explosion in homeless people. So uh, do I think it was a mistake by DeSantis to agree to it? Yeah, it's not conventional wisdom. Do I think that... Uh, the governor of Florida can use it in a springboard manner. Yep. Uh, I just am going to turn on the TV and watch it with the prayerful hope that uh, DeSantis pounds away at uh, what a terrible job uh, the governor of Florida has done for low these many years. California. For all this time. <clears throat> and, and, and if he did that. Uh, I think it would give him a huge boost uh, in the presidential election, but more importantly, it would it really would be uh, an interesting uh, comparison between a very left leaning state and a more centrist, more conservative leaning state, and that it that it's real. I know lots of people that live in California, but I know lots of people that live in Florida, and and it's they real. are real. live they are better off. It's real. Because government isn't as out of control uh, in Florida as it is in, in California. And their taxes are going up. Uh, and it's a fantastic state, except for the government. So, uh, yes, I think it holds great risks. Uh, but 
I've got my fingers crossed that DeSantis will pound away. Now, I'm worried about the panel, about the questioning and whether that be balanced. And then, of course, uh, the spin by the left-leaning media. But, boy, they're going to have to lie a lot or just focus in, in the, audit, the op-ed uh, focuses or, or concludes by saying that uh, the governor of California is just going to talk about abortion and something maybe gun control, yeah. one other topic. Yeah, so, probably we'll, abortion, gun control, and maybe, I don't know, things like censorship or something like that. But I have seen Newsom um, when he's eaten his Wheaties, and he's very good. Um, I've seen DeSantis when he's eaten yeah, his Wheaties, I was say that. and he's very good. What I worry about, and what I worry about is this. A lot of people in this audience certainly know the difference in indexes between California and, uh, and Florida. I just don't know if people care. I don't know if it ultimately matters. I've become so pessimistic about this stuff. Yes. I mean, how is it that Joe Biden can have 1% approval rating, never mind 30% or 40% approval rating? I, the, the conditions in this country are so bad. The yes. idea that there are more than five people in this country that think he's doing a good job is astounding to me. The idea that the Democrats in Chicago can throw out Lori Lightfoot, who was an unmitigated disaster for that city. And substitute. And substitute her with someone to her left. The ongoing decline over an ignorance of facts on the ground versus a desire for what we might call aspiration speak seems to be the dominant characterization, the dominant character of our politics these days. And it didn't used to be that way. And I, you, you, earlier I wrote down a bunch of the things you said about where we are as a country right now going into the political season. What the role of the media has done is more than just their daily stories, John. And I have to take a break, so maybe we pick up on this. Yeah, I was say, I'm, I, I, I'd like to respond to a yeah, bunch of this. Okay, yeah, good. It's not just the daily stories that um, that have us in a constant state of anxiety. It's the narrative that seems to have worked that all Republicans are fascists and white supremacists. That drumbeat seems to have taken hold and so that the support for the Democrats that you do see is more animated by a fear of the Republicans than an agreement with what the Democrats are doing. Or maybe I'm wrong and maybe people are just under 40 and they don't know what it's like to live in a functioning state or in a functioning country. I'll have you respond to all that when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Shattuck is my guest. In 1979 and 1980, people knew things were bad and they needed a change. My worry, I guess, if I were to sum up everything in my soliloquy before the break in the last segment, John, Congressman, would be that I don't think people know that they're bad and I don't think they think we need a change. You, sir. I completely share your concern. It is. It occurred to me while you were talking that it's kind of like watching uh, someone become addicted uh, or go through the process. Uh, 
there were many decades in my life when I thought you could never addict Americans to government control, uh, to the dole, to having government take away all of their responsibility for their lives in exchange for it having all control of their lives, Mm -hmm. and that Americans were just made up such that they would reject that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about is now it appears more and more Americans uh, have been indoctrinated and come to believe that government owes them uh, housing and government owes them a living and government owes them this and that and the everything. And the responsibility isn't theirs. The responsibility is the government's to take care of them. And I worry about that, and I see them uh, to a degree that bothers me not rejecting that. But I guess the other side of me says, uh, fundamentally, I believe it will change. I think they're getting closer and closer to being fed up with this, to seeing it as more pernicious uh, as time goes on. And... and. Um, I think they have been fed for so long that and with from so many different influences, it used to be just education. Now it's education and well, maybe it's education and a little bit of media. Now it's all of education and all of media. Uh, And, and, you know, you put that in front of them enough of the time with enough reputation repetition. You are you are you would be mistaken to believe it won't have an effect. And I think it has had an effect. If you tell the American people, as Obama did, uh, as the media is, as the left and the woke are, that America is evil, uh, lately that Republicans are racist, that America is hopelessly racist, when, by the way, Minorities are treated better here than anywhere else in the world, and they all are dying to get in uh, or or would do anything to get in. Uh, It's going to have an impact, but I don't think it's going to have a long-term impact because I think the spirit of freedom and of wanting to have that sense of accomplishment that we talked about earlier and to feel good that hey, uh, I got this done today, or I accomplished that, or my boss was surprised at how I was able to do X. We all crave that. I think it's a part of the human condition. And so I think we're at a low point, I give you that, but I I don't think uh, the cause is lost. This this these these are the receipts. Yes, you're right. These are the receipts that we have as as members in good standing and as your dad had a huge hand in helping create of the modern conservative movement warning about um, what would come from the excesses of an increased welfare state and the great society and more and more central planning that people used the phrase addict earlier. I, I think that's right. It's it's so many needles in an arm that are increasingly difficult to pull out and survive without. Um, so we've created almost a certain dependency class, but we've also created an expectancy yep. class. 
And even for those who aren't dependent, they've sort of become inured or numb to the idea that so many increasingly are. So what we have seen over time, I'll take the break and come back with look at Europe, look at Europe. Um, And what we have seen over time is these institutions I keep talking about, these institutions of composition, family, uh, church, good schools, not schools, but good schools um, that used to that 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 used to put people on their way in life on their way in a successful life, on their way to a successful life, in a country that could offer them, you know, the sky for the ceiling, have so collapsed and so been denigrated that where else do they have to turn but to marry the government or to see the government as their church? Let me run that by you when we come back. See the government as their church. Yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't that true? Yeah. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. John Shattuck is my guest, has been my guest this hour, former congressman and the head of Shattuck Associates, painting kind of a, um, a country that has, in America, Europeanized, if I might, um, over, over the course of, of, of the last uh, 60 years, John. And you were reminding me the title of uh, your dad's book, that we're trying to make into a movie, I hope, still. The Remnant is all about this. Go, go ahead with that thought, as Bob Newhart would say. Go, go with that thought. Well, uh, he, the title of the book, The Remnant, came from um, essentially the Bible, and it is that uh, each time uh, society is pulled down, there is a remnant of those who are believers and who understand who remain and stand and fight. And and they are what matters in a society. I wouldn't begin to argue that at this moment we aren't uh, suffering, uh, a, you know, a low point a, a, and kind of a, a, a serious uh, divide in society about what are we going to believe in? Are we going to believe in relativism? Are we going to believe in uh, that truth doesn't matter and honesty and integrity don't matter and maybe that there is no such thing as truth and and that there are no uh, absolutes? Or are we going to recognize after a lengthy debate that that's a hollow uh, set of beliefs that will lead us nowhere? And are we going to fight and scramble back? And it would be, uh, I think the book makes the case that it would be the remnant that fight their way back. And and I think that's I think that's what you have to do is you have to just uh, pull up your bootstraps and get back to it. I was talking to uh, I was interviewing Mark Levin recently on really? on his book, uh, uh, The Democratic Party Hates America, or something like that. Yes. And I said to him, you know, he painted the bleak picture that I was sketching out as well. And I said to him at the end, I said to him, uh, can we win this thing? Will we win? Will we? Are you optimistic? And he said something interesting. He said, I've stopped asking and answering that question a long time ago because I don't know. And I don't have a good or bad feeling about it. I just I don't know. But what I do know is that. I'm going down fighting. 
and we have no um, we have no choice but to go down fighting. Uh, I was talking about this yesterday. It was such a good line of Dennis Prager's yesterday. He was talking with a caller. Caller was giving him some some grief or you know complaining that Dennis was sounding increasingly um, extreme and uh, over the last several months, if not a couple of years. And um, and then and he said, do, do you do you have anything to say about that? And he said, well, I don't know if I'm sounding extreme or not. I think the left is extreme. But I will tell you that every institution in America, every single institution in America is failing and failing miserably. And when my grandchildren look back at this period of time, I don't want to tell them that when America was failing, I was being a moderate. I liked that. I love it. Uh, I, I, I find myself at times becoming more and more extreme because I'm more and more fearful uh, that we could lose. And, and my children could live in a society that truly isn't free and doesn't even enjoy the freedoms we still have now. But uh, I think... I don't know if it's the remnant or exactly where it comes from, but I believe um, the end of the remnant or the end of uh, some other appropriate source that I can't recall right now uh, is the admonition that all we know in life is are things we learn and forget and learn again. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Yeah. And so it seems to me that God intended that we learn this. We learn about freedom. We learn about uh, work and achievement and endeavor and individual responsibility. And we recognize its value. And then time goes by. Uh, and we forget it, and we have to learn it all over again. And it's an ongoing struggle. So maybe uh, when he says he's given up answering that question, it's because there is no answer. There will not ever be ultimate freedom forever and ever because you get freedom, and then somebody comes along and says, well, if you give up a little bit of that freedom, I'll give you this or that. And we become seduced uh, back into giving up our role and letting somebody else have that role. And we are no longer freedom. We are free. We are slaves again. And it seems to me uh, that that is the human condition and that what matters is the fight. That tug of war is, 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 is an interesting way to think about it, uh, as, you, as you put it, John. And I have, um, just through my own study of history, which is not as good as yours or many in the audience. Is Way I'm better sure. than mine. No, 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 I don't think so. But what I have concluded is that America has this tremendous capacity for self-renewal. Yep. We have a tremendous capacity for self-renewal. And we go through these experiments. But I do think it's dwindling or fading. And it seems so. Just based on what you hear from the young people in America today, um, the youth would march and rise up 
and go strong for Reagan, for example. Um, I, I, I do see an interesting series of polls right now where the young voter is moving to the right temporarily. But you look at the facts on the ground and you look where the energy on the campuses are, and I'm not so sure those polls are accurately reflective of what's going on. I hear we have the music coming. I'll pick up and have us close the show on this very thought, is if you're going to have a remnant, you have to have people that still believe in it who are younger than 70 (laughs) or 50. And I I would argue we do. Okay. Let's, let's, Let's pick that up and close the show in a moment on that. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Capacity for self-renewal and um, experimenting in the tug-of-war. We go left for a while, then we center ourselves. There's a long distance between Johnson and Carter, and there was a long distance between Carter and Clinton because we learned those lessons, I thought. Much shorter distance between Obama and Biden. I'm wondering about that, that shrinking distance, John. So give me something hopeful to go home with tonight. <laughs> so I get the uh, tough act, yeah. or the, the hard pitch. Yeah. Um, I guess basically I believe the longing for freedom, the uh, sense deep within us that uh, we yearn to be free uh, is stronger and it remains and I, I can see it uh, when, you know, I, I grant you, you know, there are high points and low points, but uh, it seems to me that the struggle is always there. I can see people trying. I can, uh, for that matter, turn on Fox News uh, and see young people that uh, are articulating stuff I was articulating long ago. My daughter has a very, very close friend that she went to school with in California who was a hard leftist. She got married, moved into a neighborhood. It had a high crime rate, and then it had a a, a severe homeless problem. It wasn't safe for her uh, to go outside. It wasn't safe for her children to play outside. And she is, you know, month after month or or we'll go chunks and chunks of time when we won't hear anything. And then we'll hear a story about her. And she is moving to the right. She's now reading National Review. And she was raised by two hardcore leftists. So uh, I think the only thing you can't do is give up hope. And I think there's lots of reason to have hope. Good. Well, John, thank you for that lift. Um, it's great. It's great to get it from you. It's a great way to end the show today because I was just walking in feeling just needing needing something like that. And uh, you are lift. And that's really what conservatism should be about because we're conserving this. The last best hope of Earth, as Abraham Lincoln put it. Until yep. next week. Thank you, sir. Folks, uh, until tomorrow, on behalf of uh, Mr. Bill and David Dahl and everyone else here, I'm Seth Liebson for John Shattuck. God bless you all and class dismissed. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.